Hey guys, it is January 29th. It's Oprah's birthday. Of course I know what day it is. It's Wednesday. And I am at home for a snow day. For those of you who have heard all of the sort of stress about Atlanta, it's really real. Listen, I live like four miles from the office and my assistant went to go get lunch and she went to like Burger King, which might take her like 15 minutes total. She texted me like 45 minutes into her trip like I just got here. So I told her when she came back that we'd go. And I think about it, you know, hindsight being 2020, I was so mortified that I even let her drive home. It took her like nine hours to get home that she could have just stayed here at my house in my guest room. But, you know, I usually my drive to work is about eight minutes and that's like in traffic, eight minutes. And it took me two hours to get home. So it was very scary. And for those who are posting, you know, oh, I can't believe it is two inches of snow. Like it's, there are a lot more factors that go into it. There are 10 people who've never driven in snow. I'm from California. I obviously have not. It's very hilly, um, valleys, hills, and it's like a sheet of snow, no preparation. And some, I mean, that I got to a point where my car just started sliding on its own. Like I didn't even touch anything and it just started moving. Anywho, that's neither here nor there. I um, reached out on Twitter today and asked um, what I should do a podcast about, if anybody had any suggestions. And I got one where someone asked me about my experience as a woman of color in business. You know, So I said, well, can you be more specific? So she asked me a couple more questions. So I put together seven points um, about my experiences. So I guess this one will be somewhat personal, obviously peppered with tips and tricks and things that I've done along the way. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to all 99 of my podcasts, long story short, I am the youngest of two children. My parents married as teens. My mother had me at 23. Um, I went to private and public school. I like skipped the first grade. I was like deemed gifted, but then I ended up, so I got, I got skipped to this like second grade class. And then they did a second grade, third grade mix so that I ended up getting caught up with everyone. So I spent basically two years in the second grade or second, third grade, whatever it was. Um, I guess from maturity purposes, they didn't want to skip me. And my mom was cool with it because she just, she just didn't want me to rush through life. My mom was big on that. Like she's not, you know, she just didn't want me to be rushed. So she's like, whatever you guys think will work, that will keep her challenged. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily need her skipping anyway. So, um, the advantages of being, before I get into what I'm pretty sure most of you know is quite a bit of struggle. Um, the advantages of being a young African-American woman in business is that there are several opportunities that are made just for you. So before I graduated college, I got an internship, Essence Magazine, essentially owned by Time Inc., um, got me a job at Unilever, which I do business with. I mean, Unilever owns Clear Ultra Shave, which is in the January curl box. So, I mean, these, this is a company that owns a lot of products. And so when I was in my tw early 20s, right before I graduated college, they got me an internship called the Summer Beauty Internship, where I worked in Unile at Unilever on Fifth Avenue in the Trump Towers for 13 weeks. 13 weeks and I had like real work, real job. I actually was somewhat mortified about it because I thought that I was going to spend my summer having fun. And when I got my assignments, I remember going downstairs my first week of my internship, like sobbing on the phone with my dad, like this is some BS. 
I really, really have to work. And so I had my assignment was to um, basically make a recommendation on whether or not a particular shower gel size should be made for the German market. And so I basically got all these papers piled on my desk and were like, this is all the research. This is what our competitors are doing. These are the costs. We even had to go out. I even had to go out to the plant that made the shower gel just to see logistically if it would make sense. Now, granted, I don't know if they were really care if they really cared about what I thought or whatever my recommendation was, but I had to make a um, presentation at the end of the summer to like the VPs, HR. And of course, I was so nervous the day of my presentation. I spilled orange juice all over my slides. Like I had those I mean, back when they, those projectors, I mean, that's how old, how old I am. But back when you used to put things on the projector, I spilled orange juice with pulp on like all my slides. I was just like, I can't believe it. But anyway, I got paid. I did a fine job. I guess I did a fine job. I mean, look, I'm here now. So there are some advantages. There are definitely some opportunities that companies are making for women of color. So I don't want to discount that because there are people trying. You just have to look for this and find it and actually... The way I got the job was that Essence Magazine called me. They had I had applied to be a summer intern, and then they called me to say, hey, our internship program is full, but based on your resume, we see you've done a lot of makeup. We think you'd be great for this summer beauty internship. Send us your transcripts, this and that. Ended up getting the job, and I was gone. Number two, I would say that, you know, my experience as a woman of color in business, uh, the number two thing I said is the initial discomfort. Um... Listen, I've had jobs with different, I mean, I am a brown, brown girl with, you know, what they call quote unquote ethnic features. And I've been in environments where I was the only um, black girl and I will not pretend like it's not uncomfortable at times. You know, I'm like, I look different. There's always those questions of like, you know, your hair, how often do you wash it? Do you use this? Why are you doing that? And so the summer before the couple of weeks before I ended up getting that internship in New York, well, I knew I'd be working the Trump Towers, and I just assumed I'd be one of very few African-Americans. I went and I went to Virgin Records, downtown San Francisco. I was living in San Francisco at the time and bought the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. This was over a decade ago. I see a lot of people reading it now, and I got it because I was like, I have no idea how to navigate this space. And I really want to make sure that my mind is sharp and I don't let my insecurities about being the only person get the best of me because that's what can happen sometimes. I'm not, we're, we're all human. And you know, when you're the only person that looks the way you do and when people are being shady, because that's real, you know, people are going to be shady towards you. You have to like have the sharpest, you have to be on point with your game. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I cannot go into this internship being allowing myself to be defeated because I'm the only person that can make me feel uncomfortable. I don't care what these girls do to me. I don't care what these women do. And it was very, it was Calvin Klein. It was khaki. You know what I mean? So you, if anybody who follows me, you know how colorful I am. And if you're listening, you know how um, passionate I can be. You think about a colorful girl and a khaki girl. How am I going to navigate this? So I read The 48 Laws of Power and that definitely got me on point. Um, that actually spilled into number three where I talk about how I prepared. So I read The 48 Laws of Power. And then I said, you know what I'm going to do? I study a lot of non-black businessmen. I said, I want to learn 
at the end of the day, everybody always says it's just business. And really it is, you know, when you read, so I read about, um, Jack Welch. I read all these different, um, autobiographies by these really successful non-black, non-female. So it wasn't just about being non-black. I just, I want to know how are the people who are running the world, running the world? And how do I glean tips from those people and figure out how I can run my little section of the world? And what I found out when I read a bunch of, a bunch of those things is that it was just about they, the number one thing that they focused on, which is being very good, being not just good, but the best. So that's where all of the energy was spent. It was not in like cattiness. It was not in who's wearing what. It was not in she didn't call me back. It was not she, she stepped over me or it was no, there was no catty drama in amongst these men at all. The other thing I noticed is that their attitude towards winning is that it's always about a winning attitude. And when you have a winning attitude, you aren't blaming people, you aren't beating yourself up and you're not hanging on to things longer than you need to. It's like, I got to have a winner's attitude. And finally, it's just confidence. And confidence comes from knowing something very well. I always get asked to do podcasts on confidence and I, and it's, it's, it would be a short podcast. You don't have any confidence because you are not a master of anything. You, uh, confidence comes from knowing what you know really well. So if you want to gain confidence, learn something really well, become very good at something. Um, number four, my experience as a woman of color in business, um, what that made me, what, what it has made me do, my experience has made me raise the bar for everyone around me. Um, there is a must be excellent, um, rule in working with me. And, and I like being, wow. My mom always says, she's like, whenever I'm working with people, it's difficult for me if I'm not wow. If you don't make me go, wow. And I can tell you that the people that I work with literally do that for me. Like they, there's just something about them. They are very good at what they do or they stay on the extra mile or they just do things that go, make me just go, wow, you know? And so you, you know, being a woman of color has challenges, challenges. Is that the, why do I feel like I'm not saying that right? Has, has its challenges, but it's nothing that you can't like sort of defeat with excellence. Like that's the reason why I love sharing and doing these things is because I'm like, it doesn't matter where you came from, what you have. And sometimes I see people and they write to me and it's just like, you know, when I talk about these things and it's like, well, you don't know because this and that didn't happen to you. And you know, your mother didn't die or you weren't this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I say to myself, you know, while I believe and I know that all those things are painful and trust me, I did not have the rosiest of childhoods. However, your story is not what happened to you. You can't keep living that story because you had no control over that. You were a child. There are some things that you just can't control. Your story is what you make happen. That's what you should be telling people. Not about, you know, my mother, my father, my brother, this happened, my blah. What are you, that's like, it, it's so sad because I see so many people. I mean, they're literally, it's like a, it's like a, they're walking around under this cloud of a story of something that they didn't do. And you can change your story by simply changing the way you think and changing the way you live. Like I simply have changed the way that I think and I live. So that's about raising the bar. Number five, support. Um, 
I, there's also a method of like, we have to support each other. That is the tone in my office and with my team is support, support, support. If someone does something great, you have to support them. High five. Good job, so-and-so. You're doing a really good job. Um, I, I like running it as a, as a family, like, you know, running the unit as a family where everybody genuinely cares about the next person. So we are very much a family, um, a little family that, you know, how so-and-so doing when Kendallin's blog goes up, you know, Tavia or someone is texting her, good job, or I'm, you know, so proud of you. Everything, you know, uh, Ilea, who's the graphic designer, Kendallin, I'm so proud of you. You're doing a good job. Everybody, you know, we try to support each other. It's important. Number six, I'll talk about the struggles, you know, and it's, that's the part that's really hard is, um, I mean, I am probably maybe five, two, so I'm short and so I'm small. I'm small and I'm African-American and I look probably, I'm 34 and without makeup, I probably look around 22, you know, and even with makeup, I probably look around, look, let me doll myself up. I look around maybe 27, um, but I look young and I look even younger if I'm not like dressed up. And so even dressed up, I still look young. And so it's very difficult when you are running the kind of business that I'm running or you're making the kind of deals that I'm making and you're spending, you know, there are some, there are some companies that I have accounts with that I spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars with. And when you have people treating you like you're 12 or disrespecting you, like you're not spending money with them, which I have experienced, you know, I always get upset because I'm like, I always start off being nice and respectful but then you always have you know those other people who are older and maybe not african-american who have an issue with you telling them what to do or with you just maybe upset that you are even able to do this and so i've had to snap on quite a few people over the course of doing this about how i like things how i expect things to happen um, it's always, it's like, don't ever get it twisted. Like, don't ever get it twisted with me that you're just going to sell me anything. You're going to tell me anything and that I'm not going to check it. That's the other thing too, is that, you know, I am on my shit. Like you're not going to pull the wool over my eyes. I, you know, every time somebody tries to trick you, pad bills, like every, you have to be on it because everyone's looking at you and assuming that you're young and you don't know any better and you have to constantly, it sucks because sometimes you have to constantly sort of have this attitude like I'm definitely not the one. <laughs> I'm definitely not the one. So, you know, you can't always be rosy, which is fine. So what? Who cares? Um, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, it's the respect thing. Um, being young or and black and female, you know, I, I mean, I've literally had people come into my office and we were trying to get the carpet clean. The guy walks in and, he, and it's like, if you see the office, there's maybe like two spots of faux carpet in there. And it was just because one of the contractors drug all this mud. So you get this guy who owns this car, carpet company. He comes in and most people don't know it's my company and I don't go out of my way to tell them because it, what difference does it make? Um, and so he comes in and he's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, $180 to clean the carpet. I was like, 
to clean two carpet squares, dude? Like, are you kidding me? And he's like, well, it's a residential. And it's not even that. It's like, you're just looking around and assuming, oh, it's a business. Oh, they have nice furniture. So, oh, I'm going to charge them $200 to clean two spots of carpet. I said, hey, check it out, homie. If this is the best that you can do um, as a business owner, I, I understand this. If this is the best that you can do to clean these two little carpet squares, we'll just go somewhere else because... I'm pretty sure I can get it done for $80. I know that I can. There are way too many people cleaning carpet in Atlanta to be doing this. And so he was like, wow. He was like, you're crazy. I was like, no, no, no. You're crazy. You're crazy for thinking that you were going to come in here and try to play me. So lo and behold, last week we got the carpet cleaned. Guess who cleaned it? He did. Guess how much he cleaned it for? $80. Guess who's not crazy? I'm not. You know, always things like that. that I have to constantly stay on people. Um, and you know, making sure that people respect me regardless of what I look like and, and, and regardless of like what they think I can do. And I think the other struggle is that, you know, I was in honors classes in high school and it's like, I, because of, I guess what I'm into or how I dress, you know, the part that people are so shocked at how people, you're so smart. Oh my God. You know, your stuff, you're on it. I mean, why would I not be, you know what I mean? Because you don't, because of where I'm from or the way that I look, I'm not supposed to be smart. Um, and so that part's always like annoying and something that I'm just working through and I'm dealing with is going places and having to essentially explain myself, which some people tell me to get over it and I get it, but it's just annoying. You know, like I fly, I, I fly a lot. So I fly first class, um, often because of all my miles, like, you know, I get bumped up to, um, because of my medallion status, I'm usually always offered an upgrade. It's rare that I, not, I don't fly first. And, you know, I had on like my cargo, my army cargo pants and like a little sweater and like my Jordans had my braids up in a bun. And I'm trying to like get to, they call first class. And I like to go to first class because I like to get the free drinks. You know, like I'm like, oh God, I'm flying to New York tonight. I want a drink. I'm getting on first. And so this lady who doesn't even work at Delta stops me to be like, they haven't called you yet. And I'm like, excuse me. She's like, they only call first class. I'm like, well, they didn't call you, boo. Like, I'm getting on. It's like little things like that. And then I get on the plane and the girl who works there, the girl who's the flight attendant, she's like, I need to card you. I'm just like, oh my God. Okay, whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, things like that. Sitting at the bar, you go nice places, you do nice things, or you just, you know, or I've, I've gone to meetings. I've gone to big meetings and people... I've had people at companies like really want to know what's my position at Curlbox. Like, what is your position? What do you really do? And I'm like, I own it. And it's like, what? You? Really? I'm like, yeah, me, really. So that part's difficult. But the seventh thing that I have is that um, all of it is also very rewarding because I think that what it does is it single-handedly sort of changes the way people think about girls that look like us, what they think that we can do what our capabilities are, and it changes, you know, it just changes the way what you think we are capable of, and it changes what you think we're capable of, and so, you know, it was so crazy, the last person I dated, um, happened to be Caucasian, an older white guy, and I think he felt the same way, it's just like, wow, you're so very cool, like, this was so, I've learned, you know, it just changes society's perception of us, which I think is necessary, so, I mean, I did the best I can with that. I'm pretty sure I missed everything under the sun, but that's a little bit of my experience as a woman of color in business. Bye, y'all.